So you've been out all week? Uh, sort of. I think I uh, I ducked Tuesday from most real world. I had to do uh, party education shit on Thursday, so that kind of forced me to engage with human beings. What's party education shit? Uh, LMFAO's new album. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Did you know that guy was the other guy's uncle? Wait, what? That you makes that? that a very creepy situation. Yeah, that the makes party rockers. Weirder. Does it, or are you just not used to actually having close familial bonds? Like both. If it's your both. uncle <laughs> was like Brett, me and you vibe like real well, right? And you growing up with him is like, yeah, I've always thought like my dad doesn't get it, but you're like you're like the party dad. And he's <laughs> like, I've got this mixtape, and you listen to it, and because you have this close bond, your sensibilities are aligned, and you're like, uncle, this. This music is amazing. Like, how do we take this to the next step? And he's like, I got a little leftover from selling the John boat. I think we go and we press this bad boy. Where's the red light showing up? And then it blows up and they're like, hey, is it cool if we play this at Kaya Ocho? And you're like, yeah, it's cool. You and your uncle have to show up and now you're in the movie. <laughs> every, every single step in that not only makes sense, but leads somewhere better than any of us three are. It, hard to argue it, yeah no i gotta i gotta concede all right uh new life goals lmfao and anything you could be doing for a, a broad leftist movement you could do better if you were one half of lmfao <laughs> i mean if one half of lmfao just like at the end of party rock anthem was like and hey read lenin like yeah we'd be further along than we are right he now. shouldn't like, have to put into text what is so clearly laid bare in the subtext <laughs> If you don't have a, a Marxist reading of uh, party rocking, sorry for party rocking, and uh, party rocking in the house tonight, <laughs> the real triptych of, of Marxist thought of at least the late 2010. <laughs> early 2010s? I don't know. Uh, early, very early 2010s. I had not graduated yet. Well, it's like they say, sorry for party rocking on my facts there. I'm going to go <laughs> do some self-crit. <laughs> So how does Little John fact? What is, is Little John like? Like the Trotsky of this of this arrangement now? What's what's he doing? That uh, he'd be more of the Beria because he's just a crunk mm. Georgian that we don't always claim. <laughs> as far as I know, he's a delightful man though. I don't know about uh, Little John though. <laughs> <laughs> everybody welcome to dumb and awful this is brett everyone will sport this is rob at dumb and awful and this is nathan at mark's madness pod it is amazing how it used to be you could like not watch the news for like a, a week and and people would come back and be like <laughs> uh, ham, hamburger i still i've said this on the, i don't know what hamburger refers to and <laughs> i'm not gonna find out because that week i took off uh, that appeared to have been the most significant thing that happened. You take like a week off now. It's just like, yeah, uh, he tweeted some weird shit about like anarchists, and now they can scoop you up in a black helicopter. But other than that, that's basically it. Chrissy Teigen said something silly, and it's just like, well, I'd like to hear more about that middle part. <laughs> I feel like going forward, that might be useful. It's like, nah, it's already bare. That's only that's a twenty first trending topic now. <laughs> 
black helicopters are over party. Well, we can get into it. There's a lot going on. Um, but I, I want to zoom back too because like there's a there's a number of things that happened in the last few days that to me signal the beginning of sort of like the next big face of things being fucked up. So let me let me make my case here. This is Brett's bit about how Takashi Six Nine doesn't deserve a plea deal. <laughs> oh God! All right, hard agree, hard agree. No, let's start. Uh, let's start on the economic side. So first off, the six hundred dollars per week for unemployment benefits, the federal aid that just expired. The last payments go out on Monday, which is when this should come out Monday night ish. So it's done. Every single state, no more six hundred dollar unemployment payments per week. Meanwhile, Congress still hasn't figured out. They, they have no even framework yet for a deal. They've just started talking about it in the last few days. So it has definitely expired. They're not going to extend it. Um, the Republicans have bandied about ideas about maybe we'll do one more one-time $1,200 check. Perhaps it'll be for people who made even less money last year. Uh, and then maybe we'll do 100 or $200 a week of federal additional aid for unemployment. But nobody knows when that'll happen. Meanwhile... Everyone who is relying on that additional unemployment benefit, good luck. So that that's where we're at right now. We're, we're on the precipice of all of those people about to get fucked, uh, particularly because that expired and the vast majority of the uh, rental protections as far as evictions are all set to sunset at the beginning of August for most cities and states. Oh, goody. So, so that's one big one, right? And you're like, all right, well, that seems disconcerting. Uh, perhaps Congress should fucking do something. But they were busy passing a big DOD bill this week to make sure to increase government funding for the DOD. They needed that. Um, Have they also been on recess for like the last three weeks prior? Yeah. No, I mean, you know, they need a break from their hard work. Uh, yeah, they, since no, they've been right. back, all they really managed to pass was, like I said, a increase in the budget for the military. Bernie attempted to get a 10% cut, but he couldn't even get half the Senate Dems to vote for it. So that went fucking nowhere. Uh, and then the other big thing they did was pass an increased budget for DHS in the middle of uh, Fed's black bagging people, which we'll get to in a second. They are spending a lot of overtime, which apparently is a very important concern in all this. And we need to support them by funding all of it. Yep. Got to make sure DHS gets it's their It's weird money. that that's like the centrist position in America. It's like, well, you know, we need to make sure that they have the money to do their job correctly. Because what we see now is they're not doing it correctly. And we're going through a lot of overtime and we need to really get a hold on this with the, you know, transparency. That's it. I love the assumption that there's a training, that there is like some sort of training class that you can take that will make someone that was willing to beat a person within an inch of their life with a billy club and some pepper spray not want to do that because you i don't know about you guys but i've watched my fair share of a company mandated training videos and not one of them has fundamentally changed the core of my humanity uh not yet and that's the thing we have implicit association bias trainings we'll be rolling those out over the next few years oh uh, damn it we also have uh, several you know cognitive biases trainings and if we just keep rolling them out and keep making the people who write books like white fragility uh wealthy for no discernible on the ground <laughs> reason despite us purporting to be technocrats i think if we just commit to that harder uh stay the course a thousand points of light this is what you libs like right it's funny because the implicit bias thing uh when the blm protest kicked off like what six weeks ago now there was a guy who ran implicit bias trainings in texas who went to a protest to talk to the cops that he trained and so they shot him in the dick not an exaggeration. That's what they did. They recognized him. He recognized them. He tried to discuss things with them, and they shot him in the dick. Sometimes cops can be right. 
And it, <laughs> I mean, that, and that, if you that, put me in front of any person that's ever run a corporate mandated training and gave me the option to shoot them in the dick, I'm not saying I wouldn't that's do fair. it is the problem. That's fair. That's like when I'm flying to, to Florida, LaGuardia to uh, Miami, and I go like, you know what? If a plane has to fall, I hope it's this one. <laughs> like, just on balance. That's one where if, if the cops are going to be extremely reckless with their trigger discipline, uh, uh, non-fatal rounds into the nuts of trainers is a great way. <laughs> That's a great way to blow off some steam. It is interesting that... <laughs> I imagine. I've, I've never shot a... a less than lethal round at someone's genitals that they did not consent to previously. <laughs> I do appreciate that the centrist position on uh, militarized police and just uh, federal agents is the exact opposite of schooling, right? Where, well, if schools are doing poorly, we should take money away from them. Well, police are doing poorly. We should give them more money. Fuck. Right? <laughs> I love how I'm having to look at, uh, I, I am not, not having to, I am actively building a like barrier thing for my wife when she has forced to go back to work because her school district will not be mandating any sort of PPE or distancing or anything. They're just going to pretend it's not happening. So we're like having conversations about like, well, if I do get sick because of this, like you're not allowed to go burn it down and kill them because we have a child. And I'm like... <sighs> He can learn Spanish and we can get south of the border pretty quick. So, like, you're going to need to be more specific. It's harder to get south of the border than it once was. I'll put it that way. The, Amer the American passport and borders doesn't quite travel <laughs> as freely as you might think. We're trapped here now. I'm going to call Asada. I will, I will see if I can make that Cuba thing happen because I think that's probably <laughs> the most realistic option at this point. I thought you were saying, I'll call Assad. Uh, and I was like, damn, Nathan's <laughs> I mean connected. We can, I mean, we can barely get an mom on the phone these days. You're going straight to the big man. <laughs> I am a tanky. When you when you really commit to that bit long enough, you do get his number. Him, a Menajad, you get the whole gang's number on speed dial. We'll say hi to Tulsi whenever you go visit him. <laughs> so we have we have those those two big economic triggers, right? I talked a few weeks ago. Yelp does this thing uh, every quarter, right? Saying like, hey, here's where sort of the state of the service economy is at because they run the listings for basically every small business and uh, food and retail business in the country are all listed on Yelp. So a few weeks ago when we talked about it, they said something like 40% of all restaurants had closed permanently. Um, and then the numbers for all uh, businesses listed on Yelp were pretty bad as well. Those have skyrocketed. So Yelp just did this six-ish weeks ago and they just put out another one that goes through mid-July. Um, so I did love how when you said Yelp, I, for whatever reason, heard Yalta. And I was just <laughs> trying to figure out how that picture of Churchill and Stalin and FDR sitting there factored into small business closings. But I, I got there eventually. For what it's worth, I, I can see like a Jackman article that's like, what, what Yalta can teach us about the failing food service industry. But that, <laughs> that wasn't what you said. You said Yelp. <laughs> yes. So. Whereas before Yelp was saying something like 30 to 40% of all the restaurants have closed. Now they're getting up to 60%. So the number keeps skyrocketing, right? Every time they look, more restaurants are going under. Um, I was digging through a bunch of like eater and food industry stuff. And what basically every restaurant owner is saying is, one, we took the paycheck protection loans if we could, right? Most of them managed to get it. If they're still open, they got it basically, right? Uh, otherwise you went under. And the one necessary condition for being alive right now as a, a as a rest as, as a, a restaurant tour. Yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. 
And so they, they took it and they were like, we tried not to spend it all yet um, because we we're trying to see what the fuck was happening. And right now we, we have to open, like whether or not things are bad, um, whether or not we want to if we're in Texas or Florida, like we have to open or we will go under right now. So what we're trying to do is hoping we can get enough outside business in the summer to keep us alive along with the rest of that loan money we got. We haven't even considered how we're going to pay that back yet. We're hoping it'll keep us alive long enough to make it to winter. And God willing, we have a solution by then because otherwise we will go under. They're like, that's best case scenario is we make it to January. Um, Worst case scenario, we go under by October. And I mean, obviously, the people who run restaurants as a front, they're doing just fine, as usual. Shout out to all my Albanians. (laughs) They said we couldn't do it, but here we are. And the, the really weird thing. Estonians, thing's... Latvians, <laughs> Lithuanians, I see you. People from Belarus, uh, a.k.a. Eastern Poland. <laughs> Get in. Ukrainians, they said we couldn't do it. And you're still not a we, so patent pending on that one. And, of course, there's still the, the, the really weird New York City specific thing, it seems like, where they run restaurants specifically to make the property more valuable. So they don't give a fuck if the restaurant makes money. It's just there so they can charge higher rents to everybody else. Yeah, the, the Croatian plan. Shout out to all my Serbians. Anyone from North Macedonia, keeping it keeping it as real as your UN designation every day. I'm so, so just like my you can tell my poor Midwestern brain, just like none of that la- none of that sentence made any goddamn sense to me. It's just none yeah. of it. That's North Macedonia for you, but they'll save that <laughs> no. for the bonus. <laughs> I got Dua Lipa takes, which has some sort of semiotic meaning in our current society. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so the business closures are accelerating, especially in the restaurant industry. And so I, as like somebody who's really into food in general, I keep looking at this thinking like, that seems awful. Why do they keep talking about us being in a recovery? Up until like two, three weeks ago, they were like, the economy is recovering. It's recovering. You might have seen this. And now they're saying like, oh, no, we're backsliding. The recovery isn't going well. Did you see what they did to make in Florida to make it seem like a better recovery? Ron DeSantis, he's got Florida brain. I love it. Uh, I don't love that he's probably killing my parents. But this part was a little he's gilded the lily a bit with this one. Uh he has a map, you know those maps you see on like 538 where it's like, I guess a heat map where it's mm-hmm. each county and how infected. Yeah. So he, he released one of those and shit got way worse as, you know, the arrow of time continued forward. And so <laughs> the next the next weeks, he did one that looked like basically the same. And he's like, cases in Florida, you know, we're, we're, we're doing our best to fight this thing. And it's like, man, this really does look similar. They went down to the the color part of the legend and just changed what all of the ranges were (laughs) yeah they just bumped all of them up by like 10k it ruled (laughs) so it's the same color in the map if you look at it he knows floridians don't read they just look at the colorful map and go well blue is basically blue there you go it's funny you say that because i was gonna talk about something similar uh (laughs) so part of the reason they're claiming recovery is because what has occurred is they're just looking at new jobless claims new unemployment claims per week that's the only number they're basing this idea of recovery on they're saying okay well when things first shut down we got almost 7 million new unemployment claims at the end of march which uh like historical perspective that has literally never happened ever except maybe right after black monday perhaps but those they did the numbers differently back then so never happened before but so 
they're looking at the new unemployment claim numbers and they're saying week over week, those numbers have dropped up until like this middle portion of July where they've ticked back up again. So they're saying we're recovering because that number is going down. That, that rules. That's like the Nazi high command pulling out a chart uh, of like deaths and going like, so here's Stalingrad, right? <laughs> but since then, death line going down. We're kind of in a recovery. It's like, no, you aren't. So, Brett, I have to ask a really dumb question because uh, uh, if I've ever given the impression I'm anything other than a complete idiot on this show, I, I apologize for lying to you. It, it can't be as simple as the fact that when you say new jobless claims, that's a cumulative number, right? Like, I'm not a complete moron no. for thinking that number is cumulative. No, they're looking at only each new for that week, not the cumulative number, which you have you have identified the problem here. So what Hi. they're basically doing is the best metaphor I can come up with is you're driving towards the edge of a cliff going 100 miles an hour. A few minutes later, they're like, hey, congrats, guys. Uh, we're only going 50 miles an hour now. And you're like, yeah, we're still going over the cliff. And they're like, yeah, but not as quickly. That's what's going on. They're, they're, I, they're talking about the acceleration into the depths, not the fact that we're definitely still going there because the total unemployment is at like 30 million. The fact that it's new, if it, if it, it could not logically keep going because at a certain point it would have to turn the corner because then no one would have more job. Like uh, what? It, they can't be that dumb. So that means in the dialectic of the show that they are just that awful. And that that's that's worrisome because that's that if I can spot that you guys are in trouble. Uh, we're still at 32 million unemployed people right now. Mm. 32 million. Uh, again, and, and again, they're celebrating the number of weekly that acceleration going down 1.4 million or 1.2 million, which is like the lowest it got is more than double the worst week they ever got during the 08 crash. And when you're talking <laughs> about it, you're you're describing this uh, you're you're so okay, so let's say in there so it, they would celebrate big time if the number got to zero. Hey, no more people claimed unemployment. But the thing you just talked about was that a lot of the businesses that did employ these people now no longer exist. So even if that number gets to zero, how the hell do those people get jobs again when the jobs they did don't exist anymore? It's just, again, Nazi high command flipping over the easel <laughs> and going, if, if you look here, here's jobless claims in Dresden yesterday. Here's the jobless claims in Dresden today. Positive growth. <laughs> going in the right direction. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, I bring all this up because they're in the midst of talking about like, hey, do we need a new stimulus, right? Because the $600 thing just expired. A, a number of economists have said like, obviously you need you need more stimulus. You need something. We need to stick a finger in this economy's asshole. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and it's interesting because they're all being very cavalier about it. Like, I don't know, maybe like another $1 trillion dollars. I don't know that you need to give money to individuals. That seems unnecessary. That, that was a horrible amount when it was forgiving student loans. What happened? <laughs> yeah, now it's fine, right? Uh, and it's and it's one of those things that's really fascinating to me because all of the economic talk in the business sector is this really optimistic idea of that, that we were in the middle of a recovery and now we're dipping down. So it might be a double dip, which is insane because it's been four months. There's no, There's been no recovery whatsoever. My best read here is what's going on, looking at the fact that stock numbers are not matching up with this at all, right? Stocks have been doing quite well lately. Yup. For the, 
for the most part. They have a low volatility, but been doing yeah. pretty yeah, fucking the, well. Yeah, uh, the, the NASDAQ uh, Optimism Index, which is apparently a thing, 20-year uh, highs. Last time people were this optimistic about the NASDAQ. And look, the NASDAQ contains a lot of the big drivers like fucking Tesla and Google and Facebook. Right. So you're going to expect this a little bit. Last time it was this high was uh, early 2000. <laughs> I mean, the con- definitely, there was no, definitely no crash around then either. Yeah, yeah. The, con- that, that's the, just, the, the, that's the tone internally <laughs> on this kind of stuff is, yeah, no, we're, we're great now. Things are good. Yeah, exactly. My, my read on it is it's, it is intentionally forced optimism just to keep stock prices high because everyone knows if you take a breath for a second, the entire thing plummets off a cliff. So nope. because so much of the economy and honestly, the entire social system is just run off of belief, like pure belief. That's what, how all of the fucking, <laughs> all the finances run is just believing that it'll be okay. Because if you have enough people on the same page, believing that it's fine and investing as if it's fine, you can pretend for a while that, that it's okay. And so as far as I can tell, what's happening is every wealthy person is, is desperate to delude themselves into thinking things are all right so that they can cash out. And I don't know how long that delusion lasts. I'm guessing until bricks go through their windows. But hey, uh, we seem to be gearing towards that pretty quickly too. Oh, but but one other one other data point in here because fucking Ben goddamn Bernanke was like, I don't know. I guess maybe you should give money to local governments because we discovered last time it's good for them to not fire people. Uh, real fast on that one. Last recession over four years, like local municipal governments fired seven hundred twenty thousand people. And three months in this one, they've already fired 1.5 million people. Oh, good, good. Yeah, yeah. That that good. for those who don't know, when the government starts firing people, uh, everything goes terribly because the government is the most stable job in basically every locality. So once they shed jobs, it guarantees the private sector is fucked too because usually the government jobs are what's helping keep stuff afloat when things go badly for the economy. This is the top line level of service you can expect going forward. (laughs) The government's going to be much less capable of meeting (laughs) your already lofty standards of basic municipal social contract. And also those jobs are not coming back. You get rid of jobs in the federal government or like municipal government level, they will not expand. You you think you're getting a budget increase to to bring people back at any point? No. No, 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 no. Milton well, Friedman is having a heyday right now. It resets all like the union tiers and stuff too. It, it means yep. that new people coming in get less protections, assuming that those pr- protections are actually enshrined anyway, which they oftentimes aren't. So, yeah, most of the time it goes to contractors, which speaking of contractors, uh, it's come out that for those who haven't been paying attention, there's federal agents in Portland. They started literally black bagging people on the streets and arresting them, taking them in unmarked vans and just driving off. Many of those federal agents work for either ICE, uh, Customs and Border Patrol or the Prison Bureau as like some sort of special police. But the a, a good chunk of them are just contractors which means they're mercenaries. They're fucking mercenaries. So they're not even like actual federal employees that are being used in a extrajudicial capacity to attack protesters in Portland, um, apparently coming to Seattle and Chicago soon as well. They are just full out fucking mercenaries. Probably the Blackwater mercenaries as well. Ah, Uh, I could tell you, but Blackwater has changed their name like a dozen times just to stay 
in front of the amount of bad publicity that they get. So I, I couldn't tell you if it was exactly them, but they're all fucking mercenaries. So that, that is what is being rolled out in American cities. Yeah. Other podcasts, if you're just scrolling through podcasts, the uh, the dollop episode on Blackwater, which I think is actually just on Eric Prince himself. Uh, holy shit. <laughs> like that. Yeah. That organ is that that rabbit hole goes like a lot deeper than you want to think it does. And that's oh, my God. That family, by the way, Eric Prince making money running fascist federal police for Trump. Uh, his sister, Betsy Devos, cracking the whip to get children and teachers back into school so that they can die from a plague. That That's yep. the same family. Dope family. Good they're family. doing well. And isn't the isn't the tying factor together? Wait, what what the thing that made them all rich is Amway. Was Amway? Amway. A multi-level marketing. Pyramid schemes gave you a mercen like and not the fun PlayStation 2 game mercenaries, because that game kicked ass. Um <laughs> but no, just just I mean, God, the stories of just the just random mid-level douchebags and polo shirts with ARs just going into Iraq and doing unspeakable things with no accountability. And now they're in our state. Ha! Having fun yet, gang? Yeah, and in case you were thinking that the Democrats were going to do anything about that, as I said at the top, they voted for an increase in the DHS budget in the middle of this. Uh, they also, in the, the individual mayors, um, liked to pretend that they cared. But well, For instance, Lori Lightfoot, mayor of Chicago, first said... <laughs> <laughs> Under no circumstances will they be allowed in Chicago. No federal troops are coming here. And then literally two days later, she went, well, two we days. talked. And so long as they abide by certain things, I'm fine with it. So 48 there, there, hours and talking party. with the person you consider to be the grand Cheeto Satan. And your opinion has changed. Uh, Portland Mayor Tom Wheeler, trash. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot, absolute trash. It's like... It, it, I don't know how you have any understanding of the role liberals play in, in societies like over the last 150 years and be like, nah, we got these new liberals that aren't just going to be the handmaidens of fascism. <laughs> these new ones, you can trust when they say we, there's a line in the sand, you, you know that it's definitely they're not going to pull the football away right as you swing as hard as you can at it. That's not going to happen this time. And then a million blue check columnists are like, you know what? Now that we got Lucy holding the football, <laughs> I think we're in good hands. It's just fucking Lightfoot was like people weren't super happy with uh, her handling of Chicago police when she got in. And uh, this is this tracks. Yep. This is the thing we talk about where when the event starts, people go, oh, well, here's all these concerns like that could be bad. And then they just forget about them for a while. And then the things that we're worried about start happening. And they're like, man, systemic forces. What can you do but play real <laughs> politics? It's just like, okay, I see what's going on. Yeah, exactly. A couple episodes ago, we were getting to a point in Black Reconstruction where they were talking. It was the it was right after the South lost. And what? I know. <laughs> I know. It's a spoiler alert. Well, I apologize. I shouldn't have given away the goose there. That um, one's more of a to be continued, depending on who you ask. <laughs> Let's not call this one. I know you're you're up there. You're the you're the Miami Heat fan, just it, it decked out in ultra white, all the branded stuff. And by the mid third quarter, you're walking back to the parking lot. I'm sitting in that seat just to see if maybe the Confederacy doesn't make a run at it late in the fourth. <laughs> I, mean, I, I paid for the ticket. I want to see it. 
at this at this rate, the the glory days of Miami basketball are about the equivalent because it was what like four years LeBron was there, and then the rest of the time it's just been whatever. No, Miami's on they're, fire. They're, they're great now. No, they're you speak good. with ignorance both on the Heat and the the neo Confederate movement. Because here's the thing: <laughs> used to be we had top tier AAA S tier races. Your Robert E. Lee, your Jefferson Davis. Now we got a deep bench. We could cycle in Southern races one after the next, <laughs> run you, tire you out. And I'll be honest, a lot of them are judges in the South. <laughs> so, you know, you see, there's a dark horse there, Miami. I, 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 I'll, I would love, listen, I want Jimmy Butler to, I want that psycho to do anything he can because that, that man speaks to my heart. But Ron DeSantis is really a Dion Waiters type governor. Ooh, <laughs> love a good Dion Waiters reference. Yes. That basically is what NBA Twitter is like now, because it's all just like leftist dorks, like going and <laughs> going and reading the theory of, of run and gun versus pace and space. Is that happening now? All. That happened in baseball. Oh, that's yeah. how David. That's how David actually got convert like into leftism. Like it was like all the baseball Twitter people all of a sudden went hard left, like post Ferguson, and then it was like all baseball Twitter was communist. And I is is NBA Twitter getting there now? Because I would be here for that. The NBA fan base, I would say. I mean, uh, you have to give credit to Bill Simmons, who, despite himself, sort of, he, he when he did Grantland, he rec recruited in, like, you know, Brooklyn and L.A. The, the, he fished the ponds that he was familiar with, and so he got people that are baseline, you know, overeducated, slightly progressive, and really, really into digging into the details. It's like, basically, if you graduate from Columbia J School, you could either join ProPublica or, like, The Ringer. <laughs> <laughs> And, and so, yeah, there's the basketball is very good right now in terms of fan bases. I believe They're definitely able, definitely able to sneak in like you know a, a, a Noam Chomsky reference into talking about Michael Kidd Gilchrist. <laughs> God, I want a team so bad so I can have some affiliation there. But no, we, talking about black reconstruction, when they were talking about the the South, once they lost, once the war got lost, you know, they're like, all right, so we can come back to Congress now, right? And like start voting on shit. And they were having these discussions about like, well, didn't you just tell us death to America and say, no, we don't want to do that anymore? And one of the guys just writing letters to his constituency was like, yeah, all that really matters is that we win the presidency, and if we win that, the rules are whatever we say they are, and that's all that really goes. Uh, I like that just at the time, just one wise traveler from the House of Saud is like, I'll make a note of this. <laughs> <laughs> you can say death to America as long as you're, you know, an economic driver or a strategic ally of import. But yeah, I mean, the, the, the idea that like you win the presidency and that's all that really matters... Uh, as far as writing rules is definitely accurate today. So, so what's been happening is Bill Barr has basically tested out having a presidential army that he can move around. We call it the retinue in the old Roman days. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Uh, huh? And he's tested it out and you go like, all right, well, we'll put out a feeler and see what happens. And what's happened is the Democrats did nothing and they gave you more money. And specifically within the DHS budget was a line item to hire more contractors because you need them for uh, dealing with civil unrest. So not only did you knock your hand slapped when you try to trot out your own personal army, you got rewarded for it. So a guaranteed they will be expanding the program. Like that's that's like a given. So what's it started in Portland, right? They rolled out a bunch of federal officials, uh, like I said, four half of them are mercenaries to 
basically start rounding up protesters. That has, of course, sparked a much more uh, vigorous response from the Portland protesters. And it it is genuinely heartening to see how much better the tactics are now than even just six weeks ago. They have full manufacturing of shields going on. Uh, People do not run when the tear gas gets shot. They throw it back. They bring the leaf blowers to blow it at the feds, uh, which has been wildly effective. Right. They basically hold their ground and they make it as difficult as possible for the feds to move them right now. But the protests in Portland have gotten huge. They it, it, every night now, it looks like a genuine clash between armies, which is fucking horrifying if you think things are going to be peaceful in this country. <laughs> but so that's Port- that's Portland. So Someone th- needs to get in there and let them know that the fucking Warren plan fixes this, which is a couple <laughs> tweaks on inherited wealth and capital gains taxes. Like, I don't understand why we have to do this. But so Portland alone seems to be re-sparking the entire BLM movement. Not that it died down, but it had uh, dropped down somewhat, and then the media was doing its best to kill it by ignoring it entirely, right? So now it's sparked back up. So just in the last two days, we had a big protest in Seattle uh, in, in solidarity with Portland. They burned down a youth detention center that was being built, a child jail. So so, so that was real wild to see. Uh Seattle protest going off immediately when they come back out. Oakland, they had a protest as well in support, had a full shield wall line as well this time around. Uh, and they set a fire at the Alameda Federal Courthouse. First night popping off. Oakland does not fuck around. How do you explain Crayshon then? <laughs> uh, Louisville, two different militia groups and then a third protest group showed up. The three percenters didn't really have a ton of people show up. They showed up. And, and then a different militia group, an all-black militia group, uh, NFAC, Not Fucking Around Coalition, run by a guy, before you get excited, run by a guy who's like virulently uh, anti-Semitic and misogynistic. So, Oh, just, Black Hammer showed up again. Cool. Cool. Thought we got oh, past is, that, is that one. Thanks, gang. Is that jerking on the stream guy? Probably. Oh, no, Black Hammer was jerking on the stream guy. So th- yes, Rob, that 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 is there. But. Oh, is it? <laughs> Uh, it's the same group that was at Stone Mountain a while back. They showed up as well. As Jerking a- on the mountain? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Is that an Alice Chain song, I think? Maybe. Critical support. And then- Jerking on Stone Mountain does sound... That actually sounds like a, a like an unreleased Led Skinnerd. <laughs> <laughs> That's jerking to Stone Mountain. You, you the, the adverb's important. I like I said Led Skinnerd because my brain couldn't decide if it better to be Led Zeppelin or Leonard Skinner. <laughs> They join. They yeah, join together for jerking, jerking on Stone Mountain. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. Hell yeah, that's what I'm. I'm I assume that was intentional. That. Yeah. <laughs> Get John Denver's back, but only for this song. Saint Pe- Saint Peter returned to King for jerking on Stone Mountain. <laughs> so you had the two militia groups, and then the regular BLM protests all showed up. Gunshots went off. Three people got hit. Nobody was charged because it was just an accidental discharge. Yeah, that'll happen what? when you jerk on Stone Mountain. <laughs> I, that has to mean that the person that got caught was white, right? There's no way. No, no. Apparently, the, the gunshots went off in the Not Fucking Around Coalition. The cops, I, I, the, the vibe was the Louisville cops just gone. Yeah, we don't want to touch any of this. Okay, yeah. Whatever. No, that, that's, do, it, do whatever. Because that sounds extremely like some random white person was like, oops-a-doodle, it went off. I'm sorry. So we had two different two militia groups and a national protest all going on at the same time in Louisville. Uh, they they got really aggressive with the rest at the end of that because of course, and then in Austin, 
uh, there was a another protest going on, and unfortunately, someone there actually got yeah. killed. Uh, in multiple protests around the country, what we've seen happen more and more frequently as as a default, the right wing chuds will try to drive their car into your protest. Yeah, like it's not even a coordinated thing. They just that's just a tactic they use now because frequently they've gotten away with it. Uh, someone tried in Aurora as well. Someone tried in Eugene, Oregon, to the south of Portland. Um, and a BLM protester pulled a gun on that guy after he pulled a gun. Shit's, shit's getting uh, very tense. But in Austin, uh, this guy, clearly from multiple angles, drove his car into the crowd of protesters and shot this guy, Garrett Foster, who was an Air Force veteran. He was there with his, uh, his black quadruple amputee fiance in a wheelchair. And so he was yelling Ooh. at the car because the car almost hit her. And the guy rolled down the window and shot Garrett three times and killed him. And of course, uh, the right wing chuds are going out of their way to claim that because this the Garrett was had an AK that he started it, uh, even though even the fucking police was like, no, nah, he didn't fire a single shot. Safety was on. Nothing happened. So rest in power, Garrett. But yeah, things are, are, are reaching a fucking fever pitch once again when it comes to protesting. Right. We might have had a little bit of lull there. As I was saying before, it reminded me of the military. It was it, you were in that like just waiting mode where you knew things were going to go crazy again. We're back on the upswing. The, the, the violence is just going to keep escalating, especially because it's being made clear that there's no intention to scale back any of the responses. There's no intention to give people anything. And so I, I am more familiar with like economic business side stuff just because that's my background. So I'm looking at all of this and just going like, is, that, is this not how a country like collapses? Is that not how this works? And then I saw this thread from Mike Duncan, the guy who does the Revolutions podcast. You know this guy, right, Nathan? I I love this guy. Yes. So I was looking, and uh, Mike Duncan, he does this, like I said, Revolutions podcast. He He's like uh, progressively radicalized himself as he gets into the history of each revolution. So Mike Duncan like is like podcasting royalty. In a weird way, because his so like everyone like now revolutions is the thing he gets known for. But his is like OG thing that he got known for was uh, his history. He did like a complete front to back history of Rome. Um, Like just I mean, as good, I think, of any history of Rome as I've heard. Um, And he was in that one. He was a lot more academic and like buttoned down and it was a little less expressive but you could tell he like kind of found his voice as he went through it and then once he finished you know roman history he got a book deal off of that to write about the fall of rome which he was finishing up as the 2016 election started which <laughs> must have been fun for him um but then he started revolutions and that one went from he was doing it like chronologically so it was the english civil war then it was i think think the american revolution and those two were about as bougie as you'd imagine because they were both really bougie revolutions right and then you started to feel it once he hit the french revolution thorough ass researcher like he is a historian of as as high a grade as i'll give anybody right now and he you, you know digging into it he wanted to know everything about it and so the French Revolution, you started to see it crack then you get to the haitian revolution and holy shit yeah because then it was like if you study the history of that revolution, of course you're going to come out the other side some sort of radicalized. And it was 1848, which I used his work extensively when we did our our prelude to uh, uh, imperialism and state and rev. And over that time, he's kind of gone on a weird progression the same way I did where, you know, 
you start as like an apolitical history nerd and he's ended up being far more sympathetic and 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 it's been yeah, real fun to watch. Say, so he, he he posted this whole thread it's just him clearly grappling with the fact that like i'm looking at this and this is how i would open a revolutions podcast as i would describe what's happening right now would be my opening bit right before things got violent it's like i'm genuinely really concerned about the fall because this is all set up to go just explosively bad he's like yeah. and I, I i hope to god i'm just being hysterical and you guys get to make fun of me in six months or a year from now but all of this is like deeply upsetting and I'm having panic attacks about it. Just looking at what is occurring right now and saying like, that is, that is the precursor to a revolution. It's hard to imagine how you go back from here. Like the, the outcome that he's hoping for, like, yeah, I'm just being hysterical because, you know, in most of our lived experiences, the line I'm taking right now, the, the inputs I'm responding to are, are, triggering something that that relatively feels hysterical when transposed over all the other moments in my life right? right on the other hand like the amount of just psychic submergence that every american would have to do for biden to get in and for all of us to just wish this whole period away would itself be just a, a, a be like a mass collective delusion just a ticking time bomb in all of our heads that we'd all just have to hold until it inevitably uh, blew up in our faces, maybe a few years down the road. But that's not that option doesn't go anywhere good. It's not like we all just go and we'll forget the event and move on. <laughs> yeah, you're just buying yeah. time. That's it. So I, I'm I also hate to to feel hysterical, but you know when even the technocratic approach is like we need to throw a trolley lever at some point we need to find some trolley lever and throw something economically the things that are happening right now are the sorts of things that cause massive civil unrest in every single society throughout all of time that like that's just what happens whenever you get 30 million unemployed people that's bad when you get 30 million unemployed people and they might be kicked out of their homes that's even worse when they also can't afford food that's even worse when in the midst of all that the richest person in the country made a hundred billion dollars in a day bezos while this is occurring yeah feels like COVID hit and it caused a reckoning or it's causing a reckoning on like eight different lines that america has been desperately pretending aren't a problem but it's causing it to happen all at once and it's and it is hard to not think that uh the system is just gonna fucking crater in the next year i, I like i don't it's difficult to imagine a scenario in which that doesn't happen every new indication points to that further and every every potential moment that our leadership has to do anything to slow it down, they pass on. The only reason the $600 a week unemployment got in there was because Bernie Sanders slipped it in last minute. So Bernie, doing a dim socks do, tried to save the system at the last second. Like every economist is like, thank God for that $600 a week. Or like, you guys would be totally fucked. University of Chicago people are like, oh boy, that Bernie Sanders did a good job without naming his name. They're just like, that specific policy was wonderful. Good thing all the leaders came up with that one. Like th these are things that don't occur. They're doing their best to get rid of it and replace it with even less uh, and allow you to get kicked out of your home. Shit's getting fucking wild. Uh, and I just want to pause for a second and be like, yeah, this is another, we're at another wave of things heightening. Uh, and I don't know if this is the one that 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 breaks it or if this one crests and we get another one. But like this is clearly another upswing. So fucking strap in. Yeah. Also, on on the Dem primary side, like 
regardless of what your take is, it should end up in a place of this is not how you run an election. Add to that the uh, the whole gerrymandering issue, the electoral college, yeah. the fact that even if you get your candidate into the house, uh, the Dem establishment will just run against them like like they're doing with uh, Ilhan Omar, right? Yep. Or like they do with an- anybody that gets in. And even if you do play ball, if your ideology actually has you compelled to occasionally vote out of line, you got to go. So it's just like what – even if you got a total blue wave – we would just be doing this. Who's getting? Isn't there a, a rep getting primaried by a Kennedy right now, or a senator getting primaried by a Markey. Kennedy? Ed Markey, Ed Markey in Massachusetts is getting primaried by a Kennedy from the right. The Kennedy is primarying him from the right, and he has the support of the establishment. The Kennedy does. Yeah. Well, yeah. The establishment line right now is. I mean, Joe Biden just did a a, a, a speech at was it BlackRock or Blackstone? BlackRock. I think it was BlackRock. Where he said, we're, we're entering an age where we need corporate responsibility. We need to re-remember corporate responsibility. And our businesses need to act right. And this is not the sort of thing that you need legislation for. You're not interested in legislating that. <laughs> That's the, the Democrat line is business can continue to act unfettered. What's in our interest is not legislation, but them discovering their better angels. Which, by the way, would be a huge breach of their fiduciary duty to their stakeholders, which which occupies a like dogmatic religious uh, position in a lot of these psychos, tiny little shark minds. And has never once occurred in this country's corporate history. Yeah. The it, entire, the entire corporate uh, fucking class of America has never collectively been like, you know what? We should be better. N- never once. Nope. It has always nope. been because they've faced massive government and public opposition and the government has dropped the hammer on them. It's nice that they always bring in fiduciary duty, uh, not when they're ripping off their own clients a la Goldman Sachs in the last recession or, you know, Deutsche Bank for anyone that isn't a uh, sovereign wealth fund or cartel or Wells Fargo uh, when it's fucking uh, signing people up for five bank accounts. They discover fiduciary duties uh, when it comes to like, uh, yeah, these reforms are nice, but it'll fuck up our bottom line. Well, yep. yep. Pelosi was telling a story to reporters the other day uh, about all this. And, that, and then he turns himself into a pickle. <laughs> it is the funniest, delightfulest thing <laughs> I've ever seen. No, she, she told the story the way all rich white women tell stories. So I was trying to talk to Rob Reiner. I was trying to call my famous friend Rob Reiner to express condolences because his father died. She said, I called Rob, 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 darling. This is Nancy Pelosi. I'm calling to wish you and Michelle my condolences. I'm so sad. Your father is so funny and so wonderful. And she says, this man says, I think you have the wrong number, she continued. And he says, but I'm so glad you called me. I have one question for you. Am I going to get my $600? And Pelosi told that story from the perspective of, isn't that amusing how much these people care about this? Mm. And not... You talked to a regular person for two seconds, and the first thing he said to you was, get your shit together and help me not get fucked. Oh, that just hurts so bad. <laughs> yeah, that that is that is pure French aristocracy right there, being like, oh, my God, one of the pores was like, can you give me money? Fuck you, Pelosi. Oh, God. To end on something a little more delightful, both baseball and NBA have come back, right? MLB and NBA. Who gives a fuck? Exactly. You and I talked about it and I said like, well, how are they going to do it? Because like there's no crowd and the whole point of a sport being fun is to be there and feel like that communal like roar and everybody's fucking excited and like feel the crowd noise and it kicks ass, right? Uh, 
their solution is so deranged. <laughs> I wanted to, I wanted to let you know about this one. So MLB started by first doing virtual fans in the stadium. <laughs> so they're pumping in fake crowd noise from a video game, the show, and then they're painting the stands with a virtual crowd using the Unreal Engine at the same time. I like the idea that they're making like discrete models that they can then brush through the stands like this is uh queen's dipshit queen's <laughs> underscore dipshit dot bin <laughs> this is guy from unrelated team not in contest dot blk or whatever as someone that just transferred uh, like 200 gigs worth of game files from hard drive to hard drive for the last two weeks i've seen a lot of those files and you're pretty on you're pretty dead on it's just like a, a, a 300 degree squished ping file of uh, an Italian fan's face screaming. So they rolled these out and people immediately called them out as being extremely creepy because one, they're not always in the stands. Depending on the camera angle, the stand is just empty. And then the camera swings and suddenly they're there. And they rotate between <laughs> resting their chin and then cheering, but always at a weird delay after the action has occurred. Mm -hmm. So it just heightens the creepiness of it. Yeah, that's, I mean, that stuff is noticeable even within the game world of like MLB the show or Madden. Like when it cuts to the crowd, you're never like, I think they were really reacting to my interception. <laughs> it's always just like, yep, there's that animation again. I do remember so. PS2 days when I, when I, I think it was in, like, NFL 2K5 was like the first time I was playing a video game and my parents like walked in for a second and got confused like football's not on today and I was like ha -ha, we've arrived and it's that one was presented by ESPN too that was uh -huh. that was a game so good that Electronic Arts had to buy the rights to the NFL to make sure that they could not make it again. Oh, ever again God, 2K, 2K5 yep uh, so so we started with the we started with digitally painted crowds right that was one attempt another mlb stadiums the mets specifically said instead of that what we'll do is we will give fans the chance to attend giant air quotes here to attend the games this season they purchase a cardboard cutout of themselves no. to be placed in the stands no you basically don't even have to read to lose anymore stop you could just just go on twitter no and you're basically there. Uh, see so, the, so somebody I see there's a cutout of someone's dog. Yep. That's superstructure. <laughs> and so what happened? I like one, obviously the cutouts are creepy as fuck, and I don't know why anybody would pay for them. But then somebody hit a home run, uh, and it took the head off one of the cardboard cutouts. <laughs> <laughs> see, that's one way to do it, and it's garbage because it doesn't enhance anything. Or you cut to the NBA's way of doing it, which is just I get to hear Mello yell, fuck, get away, every time he goes for a rebound. And that's what I want. <laughs> I wish. So the NBA solution uh, is an amalgamation of those two horror shows. And it is they're going to let fans purchase special tickets because, again, you have to give them money for this to attend the game virtually. And they will put your heads on screens alongside the court. Nope. Nope. So it's just a wall of monitors nope. with people's digital heads on them. It is deeply uncomfortable. <sighs> Who's going to be the John Brown of, of showing hog on the field? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's going to be just refs blowing a whistle and James Harden shooting basically 27 free throws every night in silence. 
<laughs> remember when you're remember when you're watching like the the 2018 NBA Finals and you're like fucking hardened with this sort of ticky tag this is soccer play could it get any more fucking boring than watching Harden play and and the monkey's paw closed <laughs> and now it's they've turned down crowd effects and BGM and it's just all the other players just staring silently while they cool off in an empty gym watching Harden just throw in nothing but net one pointers <laughs> this is what you wanted right this is what you need yeah, this is just the game side. On the player side, they're trapped in these bubbles. They're not allowed to go anywhere. It's uh, it's one of the king's like power forwards is out because he really wanted like jerk wings. Like he went out for an yeah, Uber I support Eats that. and yeah, is locked down for that's, two yeah. weeks. That's like when Ricky Williams kept popping for weed, and they're like, "All right." This is your last chance. You, you're not going to smoke weed anymore, are you? And he was like, well, of course I am. <laughs> when is, we'll, we'll just ride this out for another couple months until the next test, right? And they're like, yeah, I guess. It checks out. They apparently, in the, uh, the NBA players' bubbles, what they did to make them feel more comfortable is they put up pictures of their family <laughs> oh, God. while they're in their isolation cubes. You remember all those tales in like the 80s and 90s about how Russia, the Soviet Union, wanted to, to beat us, America, the greatest in the Olympics so much that they just like locked kids down in these gyms and made them just play relentlessly with no escape. Remember how that was like the Iron <laughs> Curtain's evil plan for victory? <laughs> now we're like, no, Jimmy Butler, keep shooting. <laughs> the advertisers need something to advertise on. I need to get through this Tuesday night, Jimmy, keep doing twos. <laughs> keep taking spot up jumpers from the least efficient spot and draining them i need to lean forward and point at my tv i need to say that close to the arc take one step back and shoot yeah these are these are things i need to be able to turn in my virtual headset and tell the anime girl that's at the virtual bar with me so i seem smart about sports please jimmy <laughs> jimmy <laughs> You have to take those shots. <laughs> this is the edifice on which I've built so much cultural supremacy. I've posted I've posted a lot of racist things about the Hodge on my Facebook. And now I need to justify it by showing them Western splendor. And a lot of that is inexpl inexplicably tied to Auburn's performance on the gridiron. I need it back. All right, y'all. Thanks for listening. That was Brett Rinless Board, Rob Dumb and Awful, and Nathan at Mark's Madness Pod. Uh, we have bonus episodes on the Patreon, patreon.com backslash dumb and awful. Uh, we just put a new one last week. We're on the weekly track now, so you can expect those consistently. Um, feel free to hop in the Discord if you want to chat with us. And if nothing else, you can always rate and write us a review on iTunes. It's always incredibly helpful. Thank you. 